Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. Back to Bible Line. I'm your host, Pastor Jesse Martinez, and today our show is going to be a little different. Um, we had a little bit of an emergency in my family this week. Everything is going well, but it did derail some of the prep for the podcast. So, what we're going to play for you today is from last week's prayer meeting over at Calvary Community Church in Tampa, Florida, and it is the first message of the series explaining your faith. If you're interested in our church messages, you can check us out sermonaudio.com. You can search Calvary Community Church of Tampa and you'll find my messages there. But that's what we'll be doing for this week. So this week we will not be answering a question, but we will still have a message for you. If you could continue to pray for me and my wife, Kyla, as she recovers from her surgery, again, all is well, but we'll be back on a normal schedule for normal uploads next week. And we will definitely answer your questions. Keep those questions coming. I hope you enjoy today's episode. I really believe because of the imminent return of Christ that our time is extremely limited. There are great sources out there that uh, want to tell you when the rapture is going to happen. I don't know when that is, but would you be surprised if it happens this year? I don't think so. Uh, Would you be surprised if it happened in 2022 or 2023 or 2024? I I wouldn't, but I, I just know this. We are closer than where we were yesterday. I know that sounds like common sense. But because of that closeness, it should, for the dedicated Christian who wants to reach souls, it should motivate you. Because the only time we have is here. So I want to give you conversation starters. I want to talk to you about what I have experienced in my time with soul winning, how people have responded. Uh, there is more than one way to witness. Uh, that's one of the great things I learned about at college. Um, I went through many different conversation starters and how to start a conversation and how to continue one and eventually get to a place where a person could trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. All of them have worked on different people. So I want you to be able to walk out of here in the next several weeks and say, I'm prepared to go and put this into practice. Um, I like asking questions that make people stop. If you were to die today, do you know where you're going to go? No one's expecting that to be asked, but it also is a very bold question, and I don't think it's for everybody to ask, because if you don't ask it boldly, it won't come across the same way. So there's many different conversation starters. Mr. Louis Hernandez opens up with, can I share with you the best news in all the world, or a a, uh, variant of that statement, and it has been effective, right? It's been effective in starting conversations. Uh, I talked to Dr. Phil Myers today, who has just been a huge encouragement to me over the past two weeks. He pulls out a heaven test and he says, there are seven promises in here that God gives to you about how you can know when you die, you have eternal life. Read this material and you'll find those seven things and you'll have assurance from God's word. That's great. And so there's many different ways to explain your faith. And that's what we're titling this series. It'll be for the next several weeks, explaining your faith. And tonight we're going to, we're going to talk about three points focused on why we need to share. 
why we need to share. So if you take your Bible and you open it to Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 16, we're going to read the uh, account of the rich man. And my first point that I want to propose to you here is the reason why we need to share is because of the reality of hell. Now, there are many world religions that do not teach hell is real. Okay? They use phrases like, if God was such a loving God, how could he ever send a person to hell as described in the Scripture? It is very easy to understand when we see this account in Luke. Now, I believe the Bible teaches that this is not a story. Jesus is in the midst of talking through many parables, but in this story, excuse me, uh, this uh, historical account, we have a name of the beggar. And in all the parables you study that Jesus gave, he never dropped a name of a person um, in any of those stories. I believe the Bible teaches this is a true account. If it is a true account, then we have two very real truths. Number one, that rich man is in a place called hell, which I believe is in the heart of the earth, Gehenna. And number two, he will be there forever until it's time for him to be brought before the great white throne judgment. Sobering truths. The Catholic Church teaches that if a person dies with unconfessed sin, Based on how good they are, you nailed it. They go to a place called purgatory, which is where they wait for you to pray them out of it. Now, listen, I would, if that was in the Bible, I would teach that. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible, and it gives people false hope. I have been uh, on the other side of people telling me what happens at Catholic funerals, and it's all the same. It's all the same. They lead you to believe they're probably in heaven. And they tell you if they're not, then they're in purgatory and they're depending on you. We're going to look tonight in this point of the reality of hell, what they are actually saying and doing, those that are, have died without Christ and are awaiting judgment in the heart of the earth. Here's what it says. Look in verse 19. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there is a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes. I want you to circle or make a note of that uh, That fact there, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he, care, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his, you should mark this too, finger in water, and cool my, underscore this as well, tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. We're going to pause there for a second before we go on. There are a couple things I want to point out here. Number one, this rich man that is in hell has a body that is able to feel. In verse 23, he comments, well, we see Jesus say he lifts up his eyes. And in verse 24, we see that he asks for his tongue to receive a drop of water from the finger 
of Lazarus. Lazarus is in Abraham's embrace, okay? There was a great gulf that separated those that were in this place of torment and those that were in paradise. The second thing I want you to see here is that the rich man's unbelief is what, is what sent him to this place, not his enjoyment of the finer things in life. Those things may have kept him from believing, but those things themselves did not send him to the place of torment. And I want you to hold your place here, and I want you to go to the Gospel of John in chapter 3. It is very, very important that we remember the words of Jesus. The same Jesus who's telling us this story here, we remember the words of Jesus in relation to what he says about those that are in condemnation. Look what it says in John chapter 3 in verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Here's what you need to see. He that believeth on him is not condemned. I believe that beggar, Lazarus, was looking forward to the coming Messiah and he believed. Because if I were to say, well, for some strange case, the fact that this beggar was poor is the reason why he's in heaven, because he was poor here in, on earth, and then I'm going to just infer glory. That's not what Jesus says. And then on the other side of that coin, when we think of the rich man, we see what it says at the rest of verse 18. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? It's important that you see the why. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I can't tell you how many commentaries I read that placed the rich man in hell because of his finer things. Because of the, they say, well, look at the comment of the color of the, the robe that he had, purple. It was a very royal color, and his linens were very good, and he fared sumptuously. So because he earned all these things here, he did not get to earn them in the other life. The Bible doesn't teach that. God actually used wealth, specifically on the Jewish people, so that they could bless those that didn't have it. So then we would have a contradiction between God, how God used wealth in the Old Testament and the fact that, well, because this man was rich, he's in hell. No, he is in hell solely because he rejected. He did not believe. Now, could those things that he had in this life be a reason why he wasn't trusting? Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember I, I went to International Mall just a couple of times to Solwyn. And this is not, this, this is not the past judgment, but the, the people that I ran into, very well off, very, very easily rejected. When you have things here in life, be careful that you do not love the things of the world. What is the devil doing actively in 2 Corinthians 4? He is blinding the mind of those that believe not. Do you think, excuse me, I don't mean that to you, but do we think that that is a joke, that that's just not applied? There is a wool being pull, uh, pulled over people's eyes. The devil does not want them to believe. The devil knows what's going to happen to him, and we'll study that tonight. But I want you to make sure you see why the rich man is where he is and why the beggar is where he is. So now let's go back to Luke. Having set those understandings there, we see that he's got this body that can receive pain. He can, it can receive feeling. And he is in a state of torment. Verse 25. But Abraham said, oh, we're back in Luke 16, verse 25. But Abraham said, son, 
Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send to my father's house. You need to underscore that. I see another two very important points from that statement. Number one, he accepted the fact that he was not going to have any kind of relief. He moved on from that. Now, I, I, I would think that there would be more weeping and wailing, and there is, but he moved on and thought about those that are still living. Look what it says in verse 28. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Now, in order for this to be fulfilled, what would have to happen to this beggar Lazarus? He would have to he's have to rise again. Now you see why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all that we have. Because he said he was going to come back, and he did. In the exact amount of time, he said he would. Forty and six years it took for this temple to be built. How can you raise it up in three days? You remember when Jesus made that statement? And he was talking about himself. It's right there in the scripture. I like, I like verses like that. You know, There's no wiggle room. <laughs> it says exactly. And then it says when the disciples remember he said that, they believed. They saw and understood. Remember, I'm just a simple guy. I like when things are clear and easily understood. And that is in the Bible. But we see here that he wants a resurrection of Lazarus to help ensure that his five brothers who, is there any question he loves them? Is there any question he's concerned about them joining him there? He wants them to believe. Now, the words of Abraham here are very, very chilling. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one of them uh, went unto... Excuse me, verse 29. Abraham said unto them, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Do you think Moses and the prophets were referring to this beggar Lazarus? They were referring to the coming messiah jesus christ of which all of the old testament sacrifices were a picture of the one sacrificed lamb behold the lamb of god which cometh to take away the sins of the world that's jesus and then verse 30 this man he has a rebuttal nay father abraham but if one went unto them from the dead they will repent and this is a great use of the word repent they will change their minds verse 31 and he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And look at our world today. The most recorded event in history verified the resurrection of Jesus Christ rejected among men. How? The absolute rebellion of the flesh nature. Man and his deeds are in darkness. They are, they are opposed to this light. This is why I think it's, it's important when you see that scarcely someone is saved. It's not that because they worked hard and there's not going to be a lot of people that worked enough. The fact that people will even listen is scarce. But hell's real. And we see that. A couple closing points here before we get to the, to the second overall point. He was able to recall things from his life. He is not a new being in a torment that he is unaware of. He is not annihilated. There is no cessation of 
his existence. He is existing. He does have a body that can feel, and he can recall the things of his former life. That is extremely chilling when we, when, when we realize that all those who die without Christ go there until the great white throne judgment. It's a very, very scary thing. It is a great motivator. It should be for why we need to learn how to explain our faith. I will be honest with you in that I am not always excited to win people to Christ. I'm not always excited to have conversations. There are times where it seems inconvenient, but I have trained myself to dwell on this passage. Because if this passage is true, any kind of time that person is inconveniencing for me becomes extremely valuable. Because it may be an opportunity for them to not go here. Now take your Bible and go to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, the second point about why we need to share is because of the reality of the great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter 20. Look there in verses 11 through 15. This is on page 1305 in a church Bible. Pardon me for a moment. The reality of the great white throne judgment. Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose faith the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And I think this is all of those who have passed from this life into torment because they have rejected Christ. They are now called up. They now stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. You need to underscore this according to their works. I do believe that the ones that stand before Christ at this judgment seat are going to be judged according to their works here on earth. They will all fall short of eternal life, but they will be rewarded based on their works. And it will be of no pleasure, and they will spend an eternity in hell. Why? Verse 14, excuse me, 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Now hold your spot here for a second and look in verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. It is an eternity that is facing the lost. The false prophet and the beast uh, you know, the Antichrist and his false prophet, they're cast in. The devil now, his power is no longer restrained, it's stripped. There's this weird fantasy out there that the devil's, you know, he's going to be your manager. No, he is going to be punished for an eternity. He's, this is not where he lives. This is not where he rules and reigns. He doesn't want to go there. And he wants to make sure that he brings and deceives as many people as he can because the hatred that burns within him for you is this bad. And it should be a rebuke to us when we cannot share our faith. I know that's heavy, but I think it needs to be said. If we are not prepared to share our faith, we're not ready to show someone how they can escape this. And shame on the world religions that say hell is not real. The Bible says differently. Amen. 
Continue on in verse 15, or uh, the end of verse 14. This is the second death. That word death, separation, look up here. So you've got the soul within the body of a man, okay? When a person dies, there is a separation of the soul from the body, okay? When a believer dies, they are now absent from this body. They are present with the Lord, okay? The Old Testament saints went to paradise until Christ had made that payment. And then when he descended, as he descended thousands of years ago and said, I led captivity captive, he brought them out with him at his resurrection. Now listen, that is the first death. You and I, unless the Lord comes back tonight, right now, right now, (laughs) how about now? We will experience that death when we die, that separation. This second death will not be applied to us because we have eternal life, life with him, life with God. Those who die, experience the first death, will experience a second death, which is another separation that is for eternity in the lake of fire created for the devil and his angels. This is a very true Bible teaching, and it ought to motivate us. 15, verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we covered how the reality of hell is why we need to share our faith. The reality of this great white throne judgment is why. And the last thing I want to look at is the, is the phrase, but these are written. But these are written. Look in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John in chapter 20. John chapter 20 and verses 30 through 31. This is why John's gospel is written. John's gospel is the one gospel, the one Bible book that I refer new believers to read because of how many times it uses the word believe. And why is that important? Because they will see that all they must do is believe and they can have assurance of their salvation. That doesn't mean that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are inferior, but they cover different portions of Christ's life. All of them together can present one common view. But this is a very rare portion of Scripture because it tells you, and this is why I love John, it's so simple. It tells you exactly the purpose of this book. Look in verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So there are things that Jesus did that we don't even have a record of. But guess what? It does not stop verse 31 from being written. But these are written. What are these? The testimony of the Gospel of John, which I believe is inspired by God. God breathed. They are written for this purpose, that ye might, what? Believe something specific, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, and that doesn't mean by continuing to believe, but by that initial belief you might have what? Life through what? You're continuing in the faith? Friend, it doesn't say that. It says through His name. This is why at the name of Jesus, every tongue will and every knee will... There's not going to be a question. Oh, I reject that. We're not going to be able to look at it like we did this last this, this past election and say, I'm not sure. There's not going to be any question. He is. 
God. He has died for the sins of the world. He has risen from the dead, and you will be judged according to what you have done with him. That's it. Now, obedience and all that, separate issue, and I'm not going to get into that. It's, it's difficult not to because it's, it's just so maligned. You know, faith and obedience, these things go together. They don't. Faith is, is what we're putting, faith is, is how we're, we're trusting in Him. By faith, we receive, of course, the free gift of everlasting life. That should motivate us to be obedient, but it's not a guarantee that we will be obedient. But you need to see here, the reason why we should understand our faith is that we might believe. Jesus is the Christ. He's the promised Messiah, the Son of God. And if you look, if you look up Josh McDowell's evidence that demands a verdict, and you look at the, the claim of the resurrection, look at how many passages Jesus says, I will die and I will come again. The very, the very fact that he came back is proof that he's the Son of God. If, I, if my best friend were to start telling me that he's going to die and come back from the dead, I think he's insane. Wouldn't you? No one can do that except Jesus. Because he wasn't just some man. He wasn't a man that ascended to godhood and was given. He came back on his own power. His own power. Hello? Amen. That's something we need to look at. And then the last thing here, look in Romans chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Those who believe will receive eternal life and the removal of their sins from their accounts. Romans chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Romans chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Page 1196 in a church-loaned Bible. But to him that, underscore this, worketh not, but believeth. Now, do you see how the messages, they they coincide here? The writer of Romans, Paul, under the same inspiration of the writer of John, they're, they're saying the same thing. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly... His faith is counted for righteousness. The reason why this is my third point is because it's this easy. If you haven't been accused of easy believism, you're not preaching the gospel. Amen. I mean, it, it is easy. We want to make it hard? Or we want to make it so confusing that a person doesn't understand so they just repeat what you say and have no idea what they're trusting in? Friend, be clear. Be clear. Also, this is a great proof text for believing is not a work. It says, be, uh, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him. He who did the work. That justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Verse 6, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute, put to their account, their sin. Wow. What do we see from these these three verses here? We see a lot. Number one, we see that in verse 7, there is an active event that happens when a person believes. Their iniquities are forgiven. Their sins are covered. The word atonement is a covering, okay? Look at the Old Testament sacrifices. They were a temporary cover of the consequences of, of that sin, but they did not, as Hebrews 10 clearly clearly tells us, they did not make a satisfactory payment for sin. All of those saints in Israel 
the ones who were looking for the, the promise of Messiah, even when they applied the blood on the door, temporarily, that, that judgment of losing the firstborn was moved from them, but they died. They still died. But they're looking forward to the cross. We look back to the cross. It's still all about the cross. Amen. That reminds me of a song that I wish we had enough time to prepare for this Resurrection Sunday, but it's, it's a song called It's About the Cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. When that song comes up on my shuffle, it's like all the pregame hype videos that you see for like all the sporting events. I just want to hit every note and I just want to sing it out because of the truth that's contained in it. Okay, this is a great passage. Number two, look at this last part here in verse eight. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin because of verse seven, because of verse five, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, that faith is counted for righteousness. The faith in what they're trusting in Jesus Christ counted for righteousness. Also, just because we have like two more minutes here, look in verse two, uh, excuse me, uh, verse three. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it, his belief in God, was counted unto him for what? Look at verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. He hath whereof to glory before men. Look, if I do good deeds before you, I receive the glory before you, but not before God. If I have to stand before God with the only account being my good works, friend, I'm at the great white throne judgment, and I'm, I'm headed to hell. Also, another very important point that we need to see here is the fact that it was simple belief. It's not belief with a work that's with, with a life that proves it. Look at Lot. Lot is a great example of someone you don't want to be. But who knows? I may walk by Lot's house in heaven. He's there. He he vexed his righteous soul. He lived in sin. But guess what? That sin was paid because of what they were trusting in. So just to recap, for those of you that are taking notes, why we need to share the reality of hell. We see that in Luke 16, 19 through 31. The reality of the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. And the fact that these things are written that we see in John 20, 30 through 31, and we also look at Romans 4, 5 through 8. Now, I want you to be encouraged, okay? You can do it. You can share your faith. I'm going to teach you the wallet illustration. We're going to go over it point by point. Next week, we're going to talk about what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, what the attributes of an effective soul winner are. And these are great things because you can go home and work on these attributes. Just work on them. Just start chipping away at them. But I'm going to give you the wallet illustration here, but I'm going to show you the condensed version of it with just John 3.16. This is how I learned how to start understanding this illustration. This illustration doesn't save. God will not be, did you believe on the illustration given at Calvary Community Church? This is a great illustration to communicate the point. This hand represents you and me. My wallet represents sin, okay? And this hand reverently will represent Jesus Christ. 
Okay? We all have sin. The payment of sin is death. We talked about that. Eternal separation from God forever in the lake of fire called hell. You have to be perfect to get to heaven. No good works can save you. Somebody has to die for this sin. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, was who he said he was. This is what he did, and this is what you can illustrate to somebody. You just set it up. This hand, you and me. My wallet, sin. We all got sin. This hand, Jesus Christ, for God. This is John 3, 16. So love the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son. And you might need to clarify that because people might not know what that means. That means one and only. His one and only son. That you point back to the hand, whosoever, anybody, then you move the wallet, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Can you know that when you die, you will go to heaven? The answer is yes, because whosoever believeth in him. Say it a million times if you have to. Whosoever believeth in him. It's not to insult them. It's so people can see. All I need to do is believe on him and I receive the free gift of everlasting life. You can take them to John 1.12. But as many as believed, received. Okay? You can show them 1 John 5.13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know. I used to run a morning show at Morgan Woods Elementary. It was called the K-N-O-W show. You know why it was called the No show? Because you learned what the lunch menu was and you learned what the weather was and you learn when the Scholastic Book Fair is coming in so you can hound your parents about money and buy cool books. It was the no-show because you could know things. The, you may know that you have something. What is it? Eternal life. Now, either God didn't mean what He said, or we don't understand that it's eternal life. It is eternal. It is forever. I'm excited about this series. I hope that you are too. We're not going to ascribe uh, more time to the series than there is for song and prayer because I still think the main point of Wednesday night is to come together and pray. But as we dismiss and uh, we'll, we'll have a word of prayer here and then Larry will come up and we'll sing, thank you Lord for saving my soul. I want you to remember what today means for our faith. Jesus has died. He is in the grave. Um, we look back on that and I want you to be thankful for it. Let it be a motivator too for when you want to do something you know you shouldn't do. Remember what that sin did to him. It's a strong motivator. But also rejoice in this. He came back, okay? It's not a myth. The disciples did not steal away the body. I don't care how much money they paid the guards to say that. He's risen. And when we come together on Sunday morning, even though he rose on Saturday night, he's still alive. I'm working on a song with my sister-in-law called I've Just Seen Jesus. It's a great, I tell you he's alive. It's good. It teaches great truth. But bring a friend, bring a family member, get your picture taken, and be praying for the opportunity that we have this Resurrection Sunday. Will you join me in prayer, please? Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask with, uh, with no one looking around, if there's anybody here tonight that does not know for sure that they are going to heaven. Uh, if, if that made sense to you tonight for the first time, I, I want to invite you to put your trust in Jesus Christ. I like the word believe. 
The Bible uses that word an awful lot, and so I'll use it too. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friend, that's you. Would you believe tonight, believe that Jesus died on that cross, that he rose again from the dead? And if you do, the Bible says you are given the free gift of everlasting life. And I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to rejoice with you. And I'm not going to ask you to come down the aisle or stand up. I'm not going to point you out. But I do want to pray for you. So if you believed on the Lord for the first time tonight, the Bible says you're saved, and I would like to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? Raising your hand doesn't save you. It's just a signal to me that you have believed. It's your belief in Jesus Christ. The fact that you're trusting in Him that has given you eternal life. Is there anyone at all before we close? Anyone at all? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you again for the death of your son, Jesus. We pray that we will have an opportunity to share. Thank you for the reality of hell, of the great white throne judgment, and for those two verses in John that are just such an encouragement to us. Please, Lord, uh, bless us. We know that you're always with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And uh, give us safe travels going home. Give us uh, a good event on, on, on Friday as we canvass the neighborhoods. And also, Lord, uh, bless us for Sunday. I pray that there's many lost people here and that they would get saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.